Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, the, the good news is the uh, rains and the floods have not come up to the second floor where we are in the studio. Not yet. By the way, uh, we're going to have an update later on in the show from Mayor Eric Adams, if the latest on in, the weather. If you turn in CNN, they'll tell you it's climate change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll try anything. By the way, I want to also, uh, John, you just finished um, uh, talking with Bill Clinton. You're going to be interviewing him, I understand, on Sunday. We have so I can't hour, wait. a one-hour exclusive interview and to talk about common sense needed in our country and don't forget he worked very closely with Newt Gingrich and himself and brought the deficit down from five and a half trillion at the time down to five trillion and I, if I get a nickel for every time I told that story uh, we'd, uh, we would be would a do rich okay. man okay. you would be a rich man in right the then. studio we have Judge Richard Weinberg and uh, Governor David Patterson Two common sense Democrats, and we have Ed Cox, the uh, New York State uh, GOP chairman, and another common sense Republican, right in the middle. And uh, we got a mess on our hands in Washington, Mr. Chairman. We sure do. And, we sure do. Uh, and uh, I understand we have uh, a, a great lady on. Uh, Rita, would you bring her in? Yes, we do. We have the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniels. Ronna, so glad to have you here on the show. We love you. And, um, you know, it, first off, the big key, uh, everybody, is, is getting out early voting, getting out the votes. Votes count um, in New York. We've got city council coming up. Of course, a lot more coming up in 2024 with the big debate, which we just saw the other day. Uh, how are you going to rally the bases? Well, I love you guys, too. I wish I was there. And I'm thinking about New York right now as you're dealing with this this flooding. So I hope everyone's safe. Uh, Ed Cox the, and I the, were the, the, migrants, the migrants are drowning. The migrants are drowning. They are, by the way, uh, in one of the big places, which we'll have later. <laughs> Ronnie, you can't make this up. We want everyone drowning. We All want right. everyone safe. Ronnie, yes. t- tell us about banking our votes. Yeah, so Ed Cox and I did a Bank Your Vote New York today, also with uh, Lee Zeldin, who joined, and Elise Stefanik, who's part of it, and and Congressman Lawler, but we need people to bank their votes early. We're, we're going to protect the votes. We're going to have poll watchers. We're going to have lawyers on the ground. But here's the thing, guys. If people wait till Election Day to put their to vote, it means we're chasing their vote the whole time. If there's 30 days of voting, it means I'm spending money to get those people to vote. And we need to free up those resources to find independent and swing voters. So we need our high-propensity Republicans to vote early so that we can get every vote banked before Election Day. And what if it's flooding on Election Day like it is today in New York? Then you're not going to get out and you're not going to be able to vote. So Bank Your Vote, we have a website, bankyourvote.com, for New York, and we need people to go to that. How do you think, uh, by the way, how do you think the debate went the other day too, Rana? Um, I know there's another one coming up. How, how, did, how do you think it went and it was there highlights to, in your mind? I mean, I'm so stressed during these debates. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was in the audience, and I'm trying to keep my face, like, neutral. Like, I, I try not to react in case, like, because, you know, the RNC has to be neutral. Listen, it's a fair process. Everybody's getting their chance to make their case to the voters. And I think that's important because, uh, you know, President Trump obviously has a ton of support, but there's support for all these other candidates, too. So everyone needs to be given a chance. And then once we come out with our nominee, 
everyone needs to say this was fair, this was done right, and now we need to support who the voters chose, and we're creating a debate process that allows that to happen. Rona, when's the next debate? What's the date? It's in November, um, so we've got six weeks between this one and the next debate, but we haven't announced all the details on that yet. And, okay, and, and then, so we're, we're going to find out how many candidates are going to be left by November. Yeah, what's the bar? Yeah, we raised the we yeah. raised the threshold. So this last debate, it was a 3% threshold. The next one's going to be 4%. And then we raised the small dollar donation threshold from 50000 to 70000 Ah, okay. Hey, by the way, did you see this big news, uh, Rhonda McDaniels, that uh, RFK Jr., according to one report, is planning an independent run? Uh, that's really interesting. I mean, I've always felt, yeah, yeah. What's the reaction as head of the Republican National Committee? That's, uh, I think he's going to take away from Biden if he does this. I do too. RFK Jr., you know, I can't help you because I'm the head of the RNC, but I know a bunch of people who want to help you and Cornell West, we love him too. I think it's great. The more the merrier. You bet. (laughs) That's, that's good news. (laughs) So uh, you think, you think he's going to, going to draw from the Democrats primarily? I do. I, I do. I just don't see much daylight between him and Biden. And, and the reality is, you know, you've got a lot of the common sense Republicans and Democrats in that room right now. I mean, people do want our border secure. We do want our kids to be uh, getting the right education. We want to make sure that crime is down in the street. We know that what's happening, especially in New York, you're, even your Democrat mayor is talking about the migrant crisis. Democrats are ignoring these issues and common sense Americans are saying enough is enough. And Biden's turning a blind eye. You know, I want to get your reaction, uh, Rana, to especially what President Biden said in the last few hours. Yesterday, he was in Tempe, Arizona. There he is. Uh, it was like an hour and a half from the border. Somehow he couldn't make it down to the border, but he found enough time. I found his speech so unbelievably divisive. Um, he's, you know, one breath, he's like, I'm the unifying president. And then in the next breath, he said, you know, if you believe in MAGA Republicans, it's a threat to democracy. It, it, it's, it was just such a divisive. Uh, I found a very nasty speech and unbecoming of a president. Yeah, they clearly pulled that phrase MAGA extremist. Like that's their phrase. That's their that's their buzzword. And they're trying to scare the American people. But people know they're making less money. Cost of living is high. Gas prices are out of control. And then they see a president go to Arizona and ignore the border. And what does that say to our Border Patrol agents who are putting their lives in harm's way every single day, and they don't have a president who even comes and supports them or acknowledges the crisis that we have at our border? So it's it's really shameful. You know, he did promise to be a unifier, and I think that's why a lot of people voted for him in 2020. But his record has been one of a divider, and he has not been a commander-in-chief. He's been a divider-in-chief. Do you expect any other uh, uh possibilities to jump into the race? I don't. I know there's these, you know, these uh, articles about Glenn Youngkin. I just think there's ballot access issues. You're going to have a hard time getting on the ballot uh, in some of these states. I think the Virgin Islands, the deadline is today. So these states, Iowa, New Hampshire, you're not going to be able to get on the ballot the later you wait. So I, I just don't know how anybody can create a ground game that's big enough to be able to win the delegates needed to get the nomination if they get in. Uh, Rona, we got about a minute left. What, what else would you like to tell all Americans on this uh, a Friday uh, afternoon in a rainy New York? A messy rainy New York. Say, <laughs> listen to John and Rita every day. John and Rita are the best. <laughs> we love them. They're common sense. They're fun. But also, go to bankyourvote.com. 
pledge to bank your vote. Get involved in these elections. Every voice matters, and we want every voice to count, but we need you to vote early. We agree. Ed Cox, you have one more question, said. Uh, yeah, you bet. Talk about protect the vote. That's very important. The integrity yeah, we, of the ballot, something we really believe in here in New York and have been acting on. Yeah, we, well, we just filed a lawsuit with Ed uh, against your governor who's trying to change the definition of mail-in balloting. You know, Democrats want to get rid of voter ID. They want to have ballot harvesting. And then they say that, you know, Republicans are wrong to talk about election integrity. Listen, I had to show my ID to get a Sudafed the other day. We should show our ID to vote. Okay, let's let's be honest. So we're going to have lawyers on the ground. We're going to have poll watchers and poll workers. Please sign up. Go to GOP.com. But you can bank you can bank your vote because you know we're going to protect that vote. Yeah, that is so important that people have faith in the process. I'm I'm glad you Last talked question. about that. It's important. The it's House really vote. Important. The House vote today uh, is that going to yeah. hurt? It could hurt the Republican Party. I mean, we need common sense in our own party. Yeah, I mean, any time that there's articles about division in our party. It's not helpful. When we're not talking about Biden, it's not helpful. And we have a very slim majority. We don't want the government to shut down. But just notice, over 200 Democrats are voting to, to not keep the government open, right? They would rather see our government then shut, shut down and hand Kevin McCarthy, you know, a political loss than do what's right for the country. So 200 Democrats could, voted against the bill, too. So it's not a Republican yeah. issue. So McCarthy has a problem with uh, how many? 12? 20. 20. 20. McCarthy has a problem with 20. And, uh, uh, the country has a problem with 200 Democrats. And then, wow. And then Democrats are 200. So we, you know. That, that needs to get out there, by the way, because that's a really important way. point. Yeah, yeah, Governor Governor Patterson. Governor Patterson wants to say something. I think the stage sure. is set, and someone said this to me earlier today. I won't tell <laughs> you who it was, but his uh, a, a initials are, are are Richard Weinberg. That uh, <laughs> I know that guy. Yeah. That, um, if Hakeem Jeffries, as the leader, the minority leader right now, gets his members to go along with McCarthy. It makes him a statesman. It puts McCarthy back where he should have been. And perhaps people will learn from Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton how to work together. There we Wouldn't go. Wouldn't it be an, an amazing thing if we put the American people above our politics? Wouldn't Shocking. that be great? Shocking, right? It'd Why would we do that now? for the country. It would be. I mean, think about TSA being shut down. Think about people who aren't going to get paid. Kevin McCarthy is doing his best. I think it'd be great if Democrats met him. Yes, if the Democrats and Republicans, uh, uh, the common sense portion of both both parties uh, come together and and uh, don't create a problem for our country, I think that'll go a long way. Let's hope. Let's hope that we set the stage on this show right here. Democrats and Republicans come together and keep this government open. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Ronna, thank, <laughs> thank you, you very much. Talk to you soon. And joining us now is Michael Goodwin, a Pulitzer Prize winning columnist from the New York Post. Um, Michael, um, we were talking about migrants. I know it's something you're really hot on, uh, the finger pointing back and forth. Yes, uh, thank you, Rita. Uh, yes, I thought when the Governor Abbott of Texas was in New York this week, it was a golden opportunity for uh, Governor Hochul and Mayor Adams to sort of cross that bridge and as you were just talking about uh, in Congress, to work with a fellow governor who is sharing the same problem, which is the open border. But instead, Hochul and Adams retreated 
into the Democratic corner and blasted the Republicans, blamed the Republicans for the problem, which is facetious. I mean, it's not even close to the truth, but it's just they lapsed into party loyalty, which strikes me as self-defeating because only at this point Joe Biden can fix the border. He broke it. He has to fix it. So they have a common problem with Greg Abbott, but they took... They took the, the party loyalty test, apparently, and drank the Kool-Aid. Michael, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. You just raised the interesting issue about Biden breaking the border and how he should fix it. You know, there's been a lot of attention to the impeachment inquiry. And I submit that the real problem is that Biden has broken his oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution, to enforce the laws faithfully, and to protect our, our national security. And that in itself are impeachable offenses. What say you, Michael? Well, I think they they could be, certainly, in this case. Uh, But that seems unlikely, given that the Republicans are gone down the road toward the the Hunter Biden Association, the the big guy getting a cut and all of that. I, I think that's the way this is going. And I don't know whether you could mix the two. I don't know whether that's I mean, legally you could, but I don't know if politically they would go that way. I, I watch, you know, I, I have two computer screens above my computer at home when I work, I work at night. And one, one is on CNN and one is on Fox News. Can I correct you? You don't work at night. You work 24 seven. Uh, yes, 24 right. <laughs> seven. Uh, CNN, uh, has one story on, on the same story. CNN right. has one way of saying it and Fox News has a different way of saying it. Well, well how, how do we come together? It, it, look, John, I agree with you that the media is a very big part of the problem in this polarization. But I, I would argue also that I think the media, what has happened is that it is essentially following Washington. I think when you look at government, when you look at the Congress, for example, I mean, the, the whole filibuster rule, right? It seems like antiquated times now that you needed 60 votes for a Supreme Court justice. Um, but Harry Reid broke that to get some of the Obama judicial appointees. I mean, you needed it for all judges, but especially Supreme Court. Harry Reid broke that in order to, to get some of Obama's appointees on. And Mitch McConnell said, if you break it for... These judicial nominations, we're going to break it for the Supreme Court, too. And Reed didn't stop. And so this is the kind of thing that I think Washington is doing. And and the media bears its own responsibility for following that course. But I believe the the solution has to start in Washington. And that's where I think the, the gulf is growing wider and wider. Just quickly, I would say that if you look back even 25 or 30 years and you said, here is an average Democrat and here is an average Republican, you would say they're not that far apart. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a spectrum, they're you know, probably both somewhat near the middle. If you took today and said, here's an average Democrat and here's an average Republican, they're much further apart. They've drifted much wider toward yeah. their toward their corners. By the way, that, yeah, by the way, this is something that Washington has to address. And Michael, too, I thought case in point was even the impeachment hearing yesterday. I'm curious, uh, the impeachment inquiry. Um, it was like two different worlds. 
um, highlighting exactly what you're saying. The Republicans were saying, here's the text, here's the WhatsApp messages with Hunter Biden. And the Democrats were uh, Trump, 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 and didn't even want to focus on it. Um, yeah. By the way, where do you see that going? Because we know that Comer in the last few hours has subpoenaed Hunter's bank records, also Jim Biden's bank records. They want personal and business. Uh, where do you see that headed? Well, I, I believe that Joe Biden is guilty of taking money from these deals. And I believe that that is a reasonable standard for which the, to, that the Republicans must meet. They must show that in, in some ways that are clear. Uh, I think the public, oddly, is well ahead of the Democratic Party on this. Every poll shows a majority of Americans believe Joe Biden did something to help his son's businesses and that even a slight majority believe that it was illegal. But and, and the Democrats are jumping up and down and saying, well, where's the proof? Where's the proof where the money actually went to Joe Biden? Yes, and, and, I, and I think their behavior yesterday was foolish because it seems to me that there are some things that are beyond dispute. Joe Biden clearly lied when he said he had never discussed his son's business. He clearly lied when he said his son never got money, never made a dime in China. So those things are big, big lies that are out there. I don't, I don't know why the Democrats are in such an absolutist state of mind that they will not give this any credibility whatsoever. I think they're better off if they want to defend him to draw a tighter circle and not to sort, not to sort of say there's nothing here. There's clearly something here. And yet, by the way, uh, yet they can't wait to throw Menendez over the bus too. That happened after five seconds. Uh, Michael Goodwin, um, thank you so much. We got to go to a break. Um, um, do you have a question, Gov Patterson? Patterson, a quick one. No, I was just going to tell Michael that uh, I said that here yesterday that I would have sat back and not really said anything and let them sort of build their case and take notes on what you think is wrong. Because you have more credibility if you say it later on after you've listened than having someone five minutes into the debate say this is all a game. Well, they're all like young kids playing ping pong. Yeah, yeah, well, and yeah. some of them, boy, were they playing ping pong thank yesterday. You. <laughs> thank you, uh, Michael Goodwin. Thank and, you, Michael. Uh, thank you for everything you do. Let's go to that hard break right now, and when we come back... We have Ted Cruz, who's supposed to be calling in, John. Yes. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news. WABC. Well, today is Friday. With us today is Senator Ted Cruz, the, the great senator from the great state of Texas. And uh, it must be a Texas week. We had uh, the governor on a couple of days ago. Uh, senator Cruz. Texas, you're right on the border. You're right on the invasion trail. What is your evaluation of what the heck is going on? It is an absolute catastrophe. John, great to be with you. Rita, great to be with you. What we're seeing on our southern border, we have never seen this in the history of our nation. It is the worst illegal immigration in the history of the United States. We've had 7.6 million people cross illegally under Joe Biden. And it is a humanitarian disaster. It's a national security disaster. It, 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 it is it, it is an invasion. And, and as you know, we're now seeing uh, Democrat 
mayors and Democrat governors all across the country who are finally noticing what a disaster this is. The mayor there in New York, Eric Adams, a, a Democrat, has rightly uh, said that, that illegal immigration is a crisis in New York City, and he said very candidly that illegal immigration is destroying New York City. Now, that's with 110,000 illegal immigrants who's, who've come to New York City. I, I, I've got to say he's not wrong. But if 110,000 in New York City is destroying New York City, what the hell do you think 7.6 million is doing to Texas and the other border states? This is a crisis. It's man-made, and it is caused by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the congressional Democrats who want this invasion to happen. You know, Senator, I can't imagine also with fentanyl, too. One of the big things that just happened here in New York we were talking about it was a suitcase full of fentanyl that was rolling on the new york city subway i don't know if you heard about it. they could have they could have killed 6.5 million people yep. and they thank goodness busted the guy but it just shows how dangerous this is it has gotten to the point that no one who sees what's happening can defend it. I, I spend a lot of time at our southern border. I bring a lot of other senators down to see firsthand. One of the recent times I was down at the southern border, a, a reporter asked me, said, well, well, aren't the policies of Democrats on, on immigration much more humane and compassionate? And, and I got to tell you, Reed, I just started laughing. And, and I said, you know who doesn't believe that anymore? Democrats. And I just asked, I said, where's Joe Biden? Where's Kamala Harris? Where's even a single Democrat senator? Where's AOC? I I assume she still has her white pantsuit, but none of them are anywhere to be found. And the reason is you cannot come down there and see the 853 migrants who died in the past year crossing illegally into the country every day, dead bodies piling up. You cannot see the thousands of, upon thousands of children who've been brutalized by human traffickers. You cannot see the thousands of women who've been sexually assaulted by human traffickers. You can't see the more than 100,000 Americans who've died of drug overdoses, 70% of which is Chinese fentanyl coming across that southern border. You can't see that disaster and c- claim it is humane or compassionate. It is indefensible. It is horrific. And so the only approach from the Biden White House is to try to utterly ignore it, not to go to the border, not to talk about it, and to count on the corrupt corporate media to hide what's happening. Because if you see it, there is no defense for for what they are allowing to happen right now. Well, we're getting kicked in the borders with the fentanyl with the Chinese. Uh, The the borders are wide open and invasion is on hand. Uh, the Chinese are are hitting our universities and our education system. Is, is there, you know, me and you talked over dinner, Venezuela yep. in 20 years disappeared because of the socialists. They went from the fifth wealthiest country in the world, the wealthiest country in South America, to oblivion in 20 years. The socialists, whoever is orchestrating this, Senator is after the United States of America, and I want my kids and my grandkids to survive. What say you? Uh, John, you're exactly right. Um, what we've seen in the Democrat Party is they've been utterly radicalized. You, you know, when I first arrived in the Senate 11 years ago, 
There was such a thing as moderate Democrats. They existed. You could have people who could be reasonable and work together to accomplish something positive. There are no moderate Democrats left. They've all gone to the extreme left. The people who are setting the agenda for today's congressional Democrats are Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and AOC. And it is, as you rightly said there, John, it, it is a battle between free enterprise and socialism. It, it, it is extreme and it's radical. And, and, and look, let me just pose this question to you. If your objective were to destroy the United States of America, what would you do differently than what the Biden White House has done in the last wow. two and a half years? A senator, because nothing. That's the effect Everything he has done has hurt the American people. I was yes. talking to leading Democrats today, and and Russia is acting almost like a terrorist state because they're forcing the price of oil closer to $100 a barrel, along with OPEC nations. So at $100 a barrel, Russia is making a billion dollars a day, and President Biden goes to Alaska and cuts production. I yep. mean, you can't make this up, uh, Senator. Well, and this is what he promised to do. When Biden was campaigning, he promised, he said he was going to shut down production on federal lands, onshore and offshore, that that was his objective. And, and, and listen, we've seen gas prices rise dramatically r- r- since Biden became president. That is their intended goal. And, and they went up to four, five, six dollars a gallon. Their goal is to get them up to ten dollars a gallon or even more. And the reason is they, they don't want electric want cars. They want yeah, electric they want cars. They car. figure they'll get disgusted. The American people get disgusted paying $10 in oil, even there, although they're causing it. And you know, the UAW is getting screwed too, because if the government forced electric cars, you only need 50% of the UAW workers. The rest get laid off. Well, that, that's exactly right, and it, it, it's the latest manifestation. I'll tell you, the, the Democrat Party started about a decade ago. They made a choice between two traditional favored children of the Democrat Party. The Democrats had a choice between California environmentalist billionaires and union workers, and both traditionally had supported Democrats, and what Barack Obama did and what now Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have done is they decided they wanted the money from the California environmentalist billionaires more than they wanted jobs for the union members. And they have screwed union members across this country. Look, in, the NY, in New York, the NYPD, the New York Fire Department, talk about a war the Democrats have waged on working men and women. It has been horrific. And this is in pursuit of dollars because the people funding the Democrat Party right now, they're in bed with China. By the way, electric cars and the batteries, 80 plus percent of the rare earth minerals that go into them are controlled by communist China. That's great for Democrats, but it's terrible for working men and women. Well, Senator Cruz, people need to wake up. I'm telling you, yes. uh, we love having you on the show, and you got to join us again, Senator. Let's do it again real soon, uh, because we between us, between me, you, and Rita, we get the truth out. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. Wow, that was some interview. Uh, with, yeah, uh, so glad he called in uh, on yeah, Friday. And, uh, by the way, uh, Governor Patterson has left the studio. He's got something important he has to get done. But it was uh, interesting what he said. If extremists, extremists are holding up the budget or the extension, 
Uh, Hakeem Jeffries says he can get 200 Democrats to vote for it. And if uh, Kevin McCarthy gets his people to vote for it, you're going to have it. You're going to have a uh, a deal. And extremism, the hell with the extremists. It's right. But who's going to be the statesman here? That's well, the that's, question. Well, it's got to be. It's got to be Hakeem Jeffries along with Kevin McCarthy sitting in the room and marginalize the extremists of each of the parties. Marginalize the extremists. Absolutely, I do agree. it for the good of the country. And everybody, stay with us. Uh, a lot more ahead. We have Nicole Maliotakis and Mayor Eric Adams coming up. New jobs too. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on seventy-seven WABC. Well, we're back, and uh, now. Uh, uh, we don't know which way is the economy going, which way is the UAW strike going. One of the smartest guys in Wall Street and, and a national hero uh, we have with us, Lou Dobbs. Lou, how are you? I'm great, John. How about you? Thank you for inviting me. Uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, what's going on uh, with the budget? There's, you know, they're at a standstill right now, but there's rumors around. That if Hakeem Jeffries can get two hundred of his people, and uh, and uh, Kevin McCarthy can get two hundred of his people, guess what? We get rid of the extremists on the left, and we get rid of the extremists on the right. Can that happen? I, well, I don't think so, but uh, I I have to say it. We're going to all be surprised, I'm sure, no matter what the resolution of this is. I mean, we're looking at a what are being called hardliners, 21 of them in the Republican Party, aligning with almost 200 Democrats uh, to stop the uh, to stop what would have been the solution, the stopgap funding. So I don't see uh, really a quick resolution here. It's a it's a very complicated situation. And who knows? I mean, we're looking at right now a situation where a federal government is totally out of control. Hello, Lou Edcox here. Does the market care? Yeah. Will the market care? Does the market care? I don't think it, well, it hasn't and it won't in the short term, at least. Uh, when we get to, you know, if we get beyond two weeks, if we get beyond uh, any, any more than that, uh, the market will begin to care. Uh, but right now we're looking at a market that doesn't care about $33 trillion in debt, doesn't care about uh, $3 trillion in deficits. I mean, it's, uh, it's we're watching exponential uh, moves in deficits uh, and debt while watching, uh, you know, arithmetic progressions uh, in, in taxes, although it doesn't feel that way at tax time, does it? Uh, the other thing going around today is there's no UAW has announced they're expanding the strike. Right. Now, uh, nobody's talking about that if the federal government, if the White House forces uh, the the car companies to have more EVs, electric vehicles, mm-hmm. they only need fifty percent. They only need fifty percent of the employees. So how can how can the uh, UAW get job security? Well, the UAW is is playing a game right now, and I believe a number of, uh, of analysts have it exactly right. Uh, we are watching the UAW uh, either playing one of the cleverest uh, in what could be the most successful negotiations in history or uh, create what will be an absolute train wreck for the union. Uh, they're playing a game here that I don't think they can win now. Wow. So where do you think it's headed, Lou? I think we're headed toward what will be probably – 
in an intervention by the Biden administration in this. And I think that's what uh, Biden uh, was signaling when he appeared on the picket line for what, uh, 11 minutes. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I really think that's what it is. Because we're looking at Stellantis, they've given Stellantis, which is foreign-owned, of course, and more aligned with some of the policies of the administration already. Uh, they've given them a pass, and uh, that's not going to be the model for the big three. So we're left uh, with an absolute stalemate uh, that will be, I, I can only see it being resolved by uh, an intervention by the Biden administration, given uh, their, you know, their ideology and their, uh, and their purpose. Uh, Lou Dobbs, we have to go. We just got a call from the mayor's office. They want to call in at 545, uh, and we're tight on time. But thank you for coming on. And, and, uh, you know, we're, New York is under a, a flood watch right now, and we've had five inches Amazing. of rain. And I hope you're a surviving lot. in New Jersey. We're, we're hanging on out here. Thank you so, so much, Lou Dobbs. And we'll Thanks catch up Lou. again soon. Let's go. Uh, I think we got Nicole yep, and then we got the mayor calling exactly. in. Exactly. We got the mayor calling in, of course, with this big, huge storm going on and flooding. And joining us now is Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. Uh, Congresswoman, as we're waiting for the mayor, by the way, have you called the mayor on, on all the migrant stuff? Where does that stand? I, I will be calling the mayor. Uh, and we do need to discuss a few things here because I would like for him to not appeal the court case in which the judge gave him an out and basically told him that New York City does not have the responsibility of housing migrants from other countries. And so that's something we do need to talk about. Uh, obviously, I'm very frustrated by the number of shelters. Uh, but here in Washington, look, we're trying to do everything we can to secure the border uh, and, and use this appropriations fight to push the Senate. Senator Schumer from New York City sees what's happening in his city, sees that the mayor is saying that this is uh, going to destroy New York City, but yet refuses to work with us to do anything to secure the border. And uh, the other thing going on with, uh, with Kevin, I don't know if you heard what we said, that uh, there's a rumors going around that uh, uh, the Democratic Party, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, will get the, his common sense Democrats along with uh, Kevin McCarthy, his common sense Republicans, and try to get a deal done tomorrow. Look, I think that's possible. Um, I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm, I'm very frustrated that today 21 Republicans chose to side with the Socialist Squad and the Democrats to stink Kevin McCarthy's stopgap measure, which would have allowed for the funding of our government to continue so our service members could get paid, so our federal employees could get paid. It reduced excessive spending significantly. So it cut a lot of the wasteful spending. And it also secured the border. It passed our number one priority, the Border Security Act, which reinstates the policies of the prior administration to finally end this migrant crisis. So the 21 Republicans sided with the Democrats. Very frustrating. Um, So we'll see what happens next. We've been meeting all day, all night on these issues uh, to try to hash out an agreement among the Republicans. Uh, But really, I I thought that was a great deal that Speaker McCarthy put forward, and it would have avoided a lot of problems and plus give us the leverage to push Senator Schumer to do something to finally secure our border and undo these executive orders that Biden has put in place has created a real crisis. And to hear the Democrats on the House floor today defend open borders to talk about how us wanting border security is somehow cruel. There's no defense for open people. borders. There's no exactly. defense. Uh, Nicole Mayotakis, thank you so much for calling in. And I can tell the mayor that you're going to call him. Yeah, tell him I'm going to call him. We have a lot to talk about. I will tell I'll him. I'll tell him. <laughs> uh, thank you, Nicole Mayotakis. Let's take a break. And when we come back, hopefully the mayor will be calling in. 
your commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And breaking news here on Katz and Cosby. We have the mayor of the city of New York, Mayor Eric Adams. Uh, Mr. Mayor, so great to have you here. Fill us in on all the flooding because it is a disaster. Uh, yes, no, so true. As we were heavy, heavily hit, uh, but I do want to update us and know that we're no longer in a flash flood warning. We're now in a flash uh, flood watch, which is almost like a downgrade. Uh, and real hats off to uh, first responders, hats off to civil servants and New Yorkers who made the decision to either, if they didn't need to, they didn't go out. And uh, we were able to really watch this water succeed. We were hit with a lot of rain and a lot of water. Uh, but we're New Yorkers. We're resilient. And, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow. Yeah, we're you know, tough. We're <laughs> I, I heard that song someplace. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is the big concern with the commute home now? Because, of course, a lot of people listening to the show, we have uh, millions who are listening literally all over the country, but especially in the tri-state area and especially in New York City. Um, what's the big issue for them with the commute home, and how are the subways, Mr. Mayor? Well, uh, you know, we had um, water conditions. When you get rain this heavy, remember our subways are underground. Uh, the MTA did an amazing job, Janet Lee, and the whole team over there. Uh, so we're saying it's going to be a slower commute. Let's be honest about this. When you get this level of rain, uh, it's going to impact of us. Impact us. Those who are four or five stops away and you can, um, put on your sneakers and your boots and, you know, get in your steps. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is all about adjusting to the conditions we're in. And l- listen to this. Uh, we saw the heavy rainfall, zero uh, reported deaths so far. Uh, three people in the uh, stuck in um, basements. They were rescued by FDNY. No reported serious injuries so far. You're just watching the city that went through bad storms previously and adjusting to them. Mr. Mayor, I got the the 42nd President Bill Clinton on Sunday morning show, and uh, he mentioned that he supports you 100% in getting the New York City fixed. Two people who have been in office that I really lean on a lot, and one is uh, Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor, and Bill and Hillary Clinton, uh, they have just been real true uh, New Yorkers and their advice. They've gone through some major crises from September 11 to fiscal crises uh, to other major incidents. And they just love this city. And uh, I'm sure you're going to have a great talk. He's one of the smartest guys I know, you know no matter what the topic he is. He is one of the smartest guys I know, too. And uh, I got a lot of training from him. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So I mean, I'm, I, I will definitely tune in and hear the show. Thank you. And uh, tell us uh, the the migrant crisis. Uh, is there any relief coming? That's a great question. Uh, I don't see it. Uh, you know, when you think about uh, ten thousand a a month. 10,000 a month. I just really need New Yorkers to wrap their heads around that number. Uh, almost 25 to 2,900 a week. Of, and we're just uh, really saying that we have to really have a real decompression strategy at the border, decompression strategy here in the state. And New York City taxpayers should not be picking up the cost of a national problem. I've been extremely clear on this. 
Uh, and I'm just I'm happy that we were able to get some form of relief, uh, but it's nowhere near what we need with the TPS status for Venezuelans uh, here before J- July uh, 31st. But we need much, much more help. And uh, I had uh, in the studio here with us, we had Governor Abbott on a couple of days ago, and uh, he says he doesn't really want to send any any uh, immigrants to uh uh, New York, he'd rather send them to Washington because Washington is the place where the problem uh, has originated and has started. Uh, while he was, I urged him to call you. Did he call did Governor Abbott? Try to call you? Uh, no, he didn't. We tried to reach out to him um, back when this first happened because I made it clear, John, this should not happen to any municipality. Uh, I don't want to displace my problem onto another municipality. That's just wrong. It is unfair. And when you have over 108,000 city villages and towns in this country, we can all uh, play a role in making sure we have a real decompression strategy. And I don't want this to be in in Texas, Houston Mayor Turner and uh, Denver, the Denver Mayor, uh, Los Angeles, Chicago, all of these cities are cycling out of the impact of COVID. And now to have to have the weight of this on our cities when we're already dealing uh, with our economic challenges and those who are struggling in our city, it's just not right, it's not fair, and it's not sustainable. And if I could put a a, a, uh, a call together between the two of you, maybe we'll we'll send them to Washington instead of sending them to New York. Uh, listen, uh, the mayor in Washington, Mayor Bowser, is not only, I think, a good administrator, she's a good friend. And I don't want to displace a problem uh, that is taking place in any part of the country onto one city. It's just not right for those who live in Washington. But we're not blaming her. We're not blaming her. We're blaming the president of the United States. Yeah, but you know what happens? Uh, you know, the mayors are those who everyone look at when things are not going right in their in their cities. I don't care what it is. You look at your mayor and there is a unification of support for each other because we know what it is to be a mayor. We're the closest to the problem. So we have to be closer to the solution. The the other situation we have, uh, Rite Aid has uh, closed almost all their stores in New York. Uh, CBS has announced they're going to close 900 uh Target is closing stores. What can we do to help and and the and the retail workers, members of the retail workers union, are working in our stores and they're afraid for their lives. What can we do to make their lives better? You know, and I'm so glad you said that. But you know, first I want to zero in on the Target. Target is not leaving New York. They actually are expanding. Uh, they're doing a store in uh, lower Manhattan and opening another store on 125th Street uh, in Harlem. And so it was a combination of their economic model from what we've learned, and they were also concerned about the shoplifting. Deputy Mayor Banks has a a real plan of actions that we're doing uh, to really clamp, clamp down, but we must go after the habitual offenders who have 30, 40 shoplifting arrests under their belt. 100%. You're 100% correct, uh, uh, Mayor, because it's only about a couple of hundred of them that create the problem. Well, so true. And what you said at the beginning of this question is so important. When I talk about targeting those habitual abuses, they say, Eric, you're trying to criminalize the poor. No, destroying those low-wage workers who are going to lose their jobs when you lose the right aid, you lose the Dwayne Reed, uh, you see a, a target close. Those are the individuals we should be concerned about. 
middle class, working class of people in this city, that's always going to be the top of my agenda. I have a working people agenda, and keeping these businesses in the the city means a lot. If, If grandma must walk an additional 10 blocks or take the bus to get her prescription or her medicine because the store was closed down, we are hurting her, and we're hurting the families that use these retail outlets. Mr. Mayor, uh, in five weeks, we have 51 city council seats coming up. How can we get more common-sense Democrats and common-sense Republicans elected? Uh, all we want is common sense. That's it. I say that over and over again. It's not only about dollars and cents. It's about common sense. And I I like to believe that this is the common sense administration. And what we're doing is just make sense. That good old fashioned uh, mom and dad sense that they gave us. And so it is it's imperative. I want people not to sit on the sidelines and complain about who's not doing the right things when they are elected. I want them to get out and get engaged, read up on your candidates, see what they stand for, see what their position uh, may be on those who are carrying guns and going back into our street, those who are stealing um, from our stores, those who are committing grand larcenies, and see the positions where people are on these important issues, and then make the decision on voting for the right candidates in office. And President Clinton did say Common sense has to prevail for our civilization to endure. Absolutely. And he's right. It's, 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 an, it's an important, I believe, uh, sentence. Of, you know, I just remember some of the sayings that I was given from my mom that still stands true today, and it's just a common sense approach to life. And, uh, Mr. Mayor, I want to ask you um, a quick question also, getting back to the migrants, um, because there was that win in Staten Island for the folks who didn't want the shelter there. Um, and the judge came out and basically said that the right to shelter doesn't extend to the migrants. Um, it, and there was a notice to appeal by the city. Will you appeal? Are you planning to appeal that? Well, we have to look at the Corporation Council makes the ultimate decision. They are uh, the attorneys for the city of New York. Uh, and we have to look at the ruling that he gave. He didn't stop, stop there of saying uh, that the right to shelter issue. I've always stated uh, this is a humanitarian crisis. It's not treated as um, a, the conversation of what we do for every everyday New Yorkers. There's a, there's a big difference from dealing with a crisis. But the judge went a little too far, in my opinion, uh, stated that I don't have the authorization during emergencies to put in place emergency uh, procedures. We are in emergency. Anyone who states that we're not in an emergency, in a crisis, when we get 10,000 people coming into the city that can't work and we're responsible for everything uh, that they need, uh, that is an emergency. There's six, over 60,000, 10,000 continue to come in. This can hit uh, numbers that is beyond imagination. And his ruling went into that area that attempted to take away my emergency powers, and I don't think that was the right decision. Well, if it's in the Constitution and you have it, you have it. Uh, uh, Mr. Mayor, we got a minute left. What would you like to tell all New Yorkers and all Americans? Other than this is your favorite radio show. (laughs) (laughs) We've been been through tough times before, and it's the moment when we must all come together to get through this. And uh, we don't get through that this uh, by being uh, disrespectful, uh, being undignified towards our not only our fellow New Yorkers, but those who are here. 
and we need to make sure we put the right call in the support that we need. This is a national problem that we're facing on many levels. The national government must step up. It's wrong for any city in this country to be experiencing what I'm experiencing and these other cities are experiencing at this time. Mayor Eric Adams, uh, thank you so much for coming on with the Katz and Cosby Show. And uh, God bless you. God bless New York because we need God's blessing. And God bless America. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. way. I pray. I pray for our city and our country. Absolutely.